Welcome to History Force podcast. I'm your host Stefan, and in today's podcast, I'm going to talk about the Spartan Assembly, also known by its historical name as the Apella. The Apella was the popular assembly of ancient Sparta. It had a deliberative role, and according to ancient and modern day historians, It theoretically represented the democratic element of the Spartan state. The Apella's equivalent in ancient Athens would be the Ecclesia, the ancient Athenian assembly. Though it is important to note that, like any other ancient institutions, there are many major differences between the Spartan assembly and the Athenian Ecclesia. So, what were the main roles of the Apella? How strong was the Apella in comparison with the Ecclesia of Athens? And did the Spartan assembly have the powers or the will to reform the Spartan state? These are some important questions that this present podcast wants to analyze and answer. First of all, the origin of its name. Well, the origins of the term Apella are surrounded by mystery, and probably the official name of the Spartan assembly might be another one. Let's take a short look at the different works of ancient Greek historians to observe how they defined the popular assembly of ancient Sparta. Herodotus uses the term assembly, which refers only to the assembly as of the Dorian states. Historians Thucydides and Xenophon are using the term ecclesia, which is the equivalent of the Athenian assembly. And uh, most, the closest term we find to the Apella, it can be found in Plutarch's Parallel Lives book about uh, the legendary Spartan reformer Lycurgus. The ancient historian Plutarch, I mean, uses the term Apelazein to designate the assembly of the people. And according to people, to Plutarch's opinion, it could be an indirect reference to the Greek god Apollo. It is similar, but it's not the actual word, the Apella, which we are looking for. So, as a consequence, the etymology of this term is debatable. It could be also a reference to the Apellon, or the Dorian name for the Greek god Apollo, and... It could also be linked to numerous festivals dedicated to this god. On the other hand, the word Apella is attested in the inscriptions from the Laconian Gition. With, um, some, there are some ancient inscriptions dating from the Roman times. So these are the closest word. This is how close this word is used. And it's from the Roman times, not from the Spartan classical age of Lycurgus. Second, how the Apella was created and probably when? 
Like many Spartan institutions, the role of the Appella in the Spartan political system is defined by the Great Retra, the set of laws which came to become the new constitution of the Spartan state, which was presented by the legendary reformer Lycurgus. Plutarch, in his book, mentions in the below fragment how the Spartan assembly was created along with the others. Having established the cult of Cilian Zeus and Athena, having done the tribing and obing, and having established a Gerusia of 13 members, including the kings, season in season out there hold to hold Apelai, between Babica and Gnasion. The Gerusia is both to introduce proposals and to stand aloft. The Damos is to have power. To give a decisive verdict. But if the Damos speak crookedly, the Gerusia and the kings are to be the removers. From this, from Plutarch's workings, is from the previous mentioned fragment from Plutarch's book, it doesn't explicitly state that Lycurgus created the Spartan assembly. It only mentions that Lycurgus created the Gerusia and the Ephors, but it leaves open the possibility that the Spartan assembly was already present in Sparta before the reforms of Lycurgus. More likely, Lycurgus only integrated and reformed an existing Spartan assembly in the newly political system invented by him. If indeed the Appella wasn't Lycurgus' creation, then the actual creation date can be sometimes between the founding of Sparta, around 1000 BC and the 8th century BC, which is a pretty open timeline. Now, about the membership, the location and the frequency of the meetings. So who was qualified to take part in the workings of the Appella? Of course, they were only Spartan citizens by birth, also called the Spartiates, or how they like to style themselves as homoioi, the equal citizens, which at the height of its power, there are only 9,000 citizens. A not very representative assembly, given the fact that there were approximately 200,000 helots and approximately 50,000 peria koi, the other people who lived in the Spartan state. The peria koi and the helots were didn't have representatives in this assembly. Also, the Spartans could only take part only if they meet the 30 years minimum age and, uh, of course, if they passed the agoge, Spartan educational system, and didn't commit any crime and could also provide for their common share of the sistia, the common meals of the Spartan state. As we know, through the time, the number of Spartan citizens declined drastically. 
to around 1,500 Spartans at the height of the Spartan power, Battle of Leuctra, 317-1 BC. Unlike the Athenian Ecclesia, where the exact location is known today by modern and ancient historians, the location of the debates or the meetings of the Appella remain largely unknown. As previously mentioned in the book of Plutarch, he mentions between Babica and Nasion, and from Aristotle's works, Babica was a river and Nasion was a bridge. But this location doesn't have a modern-day correspondence or exact location, so we don't know for sure. And from the works of Pausanias, we know about a building called Sias, which was used to house the workings of the Spartan assembly. And Pausanias is the only source who presents the fact that the meetings of the Spartans took place in a building. About the frequency of the meeting, again, like the location, nothing very sure. The great Retra mentions the wordings from time to time, or season to season, depending on the translation. To see that this gives a more exact timing, a day with a full moon. So we can assume that the meetings took place at least once in a month. By comparison, the workings of the Athenian Ecclesia took place at least 40 times a year. Now, most important part, but not least, the powers of the Appella. To summarize, here are the main roles of the Spartan assembly. First, it ratified the laws. Second, it appointed the military commanders and officers. Third, it annually elected the ephors. Four, it elected the members of the Gerusia, Council of Elders in Sparta. Five, it elected the members of other minor magistratures. It, six, it could elect, it could vote on matters of war and peace, and it ratified the peace treaties. 7. In some situations, it helped the ephors and the Gerusia to depose the kings. 9. In criminal matters, it acted as a justice court, so it could judge the guilty citizens. The meetings of the Spartan assembly were presided by the other institutions of the Spartan state, like the ephors, the Gerusia, and also the kings could take part and lead the workings of the Spartan assembly. The decisions, uh, the laws, the reforms, unlike in the Athenian assembly where there was voting by hand, pottery or ballots, the Spartans used an the acclamation system. The louder the shoutings and the uh, uh, some people who were gathered in a building nearby estimated the soundings done by the shouts. Once they come out from that building, they pronounce the decision of the people. And 
then the law was either declined or passed, depending on how who shouted louder, which camp shouted louder. An exceptional or rare situation, which was presented by Aristotle in his book about the Peloponnesian War, in 432 BC, an effort, pardon my pronunciation, any case and Spartan effort couldn't decide if uh, Sparta could go or not to war because the shoutings were not very clear. So he ordered the Spartans to go on a place and in another place based on their opinions. So a camp was lined in a place and a camp in other place. And as a result, the pro-war camp won the voting. Theoretically, the Spartan assembly, the Appella, represented the democratic element of Sparta, but in practice had very limited powers, because mainly it lacked the initiative legis, the capability of initiating the laws, and also it could not debate. Only the efforts, kings or elders, Spartan elders, could present their opinions and initiate some limited debates in the assembly. But mainly, the Spartan appella was limited only to vote, either approve or confirm presented decision by the decisions by the other Spartan institutions. If we look at another ancient Greek text, it seems that initially the appella had the right to debate and to initiate laws, but two Spartan kings, Polydorus and Theopompus, decided to nullify, to delete simply this right of the Spartan citizens. And since then, the kings and the Gerusia, if they were unhappy with the voting, could simply walk away and thus dissolve the Spartan assembly and every meeting, every decision took then was simply nullified. And it was nothing to stop the Gerusia, the kings or the ephors to submit the same laws which were initially rejected by the appella again and again until they were approved. The consequences of this mechanism cannot be denied. The ordinary Spartan citizens have very little to say about the most important decisions in the Spartan state. The powers and the real importance of the appella were so limited that when discussing about the democratic elements of ancient Sparta, Aristotle mentions the efforts as the democratic element, not the Spartan assembly, the appella. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If yes, please subscribe for more info, educational history podcasts like this. I wish you a very good day.